next four months or so, we're going to see Jackie in here. I think she's watching online, or she will later. We're going to see Jackie in here wearing her Rams jersey every single Sunday. <laughs> if you have my mom on Facebook, you'll, you'll be seeing her posting about the Steelers, depending on how we're doing this season with a new quarterback. Um, my uncle, nothing will change with him because he always talks about the Cowboys in season and out of season. And then my in-laws, uh, they're going to be talking about their fantasy football league for the next four to six to next, to next year. They always talk about it. it it's a nonstop thing for them. But I, I love watching the football games when I get a chance. In my, in my friend circles, in my family circles, this past Thursday and this afternoon uh, is where it really starts kicking off. Marks the beginning of a long stretch of sports that we love to watch. Now, I love to watch soccer, but no one else in my family does. So um, this marks the beginning of sports that everyone around me loves to watch, and that's NFL football and college basketball, followed immediately by NFL football. Now, I do watch some college football, but it's not my main thing. I, I'll watch an NFL game before I watch a college game. But I do appreciate that the Kentucky Wildcats are doing, doing fairly well this year, 2-0 and so far. They did win. But when I think about sports and sports teams in general, especially at the college or professional level, I think about all the fans who drive all of these long distances who plan all of their events around watching it or watching it live on TV, right? Do you have anyone in your family that's like that? They will not do anything if there, <laughs> if there is a, a sports game that's being played right then and there. They, they will plan their dates around it. They'll plan their, their time with family around it. All of it is surrounded by the sports team. And people pay large amounts of money to go and watch them, even when they know their team's going to lose. They still go to the stadiums. They still go to the place to watch them play. And they travel all over. And when I think about that, I think about one word, devoted. You have to be devoted to that team to want to reach that far and spend that much money. So many people are devoted to their teams. And it doesn't really matter how good their team is or how bad their team is. There's a lot of devoted fans. Now, I don't have kids yet. And you guys know this about me. But when Chloe and I decide to have kids, I'm just assuming, by the grace of God, they will have some type of athletic bone in their body because Chloe played softball and basketball. I played soccer and I'm just assuming that somewhere in the genetics, it will set them up for success in sports. Granted, we've already talked about it. They're probably not going to choose soccer, softball, or basketball, but they will be athletic. <laughs> now, they might not even want to play, and that's completely fine. We're open to that. It will be heartbreaking for us, but we're open to that. We're not uh, wanting to participate in sports. But if they do get involved in sports, no matter what type of sport, no matter how boring the sport may be, we will be devoted to that team because that's the team that our kids will play on. And many of you here, and I'm saying this for a reason because the sermon can take two different directions in your mind and in your heart, 
and I want to make sure that you know where mine's coming from. Many of you here are devoted to the Lord. You've expressed that. You've shown that over and over again. You have a deep devotion to the Lord. Now, if you're not devoted to the Lord, and I just don't know about it, and you've just been playing the game of showing me, this series is going to hit you different. This, this series that we're starting today is going to very much affect you differently than if you are devoted to God. But what I, what I want to stress is the importance of deepening your devotion to the Lord, no matter where you're at in life. So I want to encourage you to continue to push through and stay devoted to God, no matter what happens in your life. And, and it's my prayer that you are encouraged when you leave every single Sunday throughout this series to deepen your devotion to the Lord. Today is more of an introduction to the series than anything else. The, ser or the, the sermons to follow this series will be how you get more devoted to God. Today is dedicated to the why. Why you even devote yourself to the Lord in the first place. So, Jeremiah chapter 2. The Lord talks about the devotion to, uh, of the people of Israel to the Lord in this chapter. And if you know anything about Jeremiah, this isn't going to go great. So, Jeremiah chapter 2, starting in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me. Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. I remember the devotion of your youth, how as a bride you loved me and followed me through the wilderness, through a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the firstfruits of this harvest. All who, were devour, or all who devoured her were held guilty and disaster overtook them, declares the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, you descendants of Jacob, all you clans of Israel. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, through the land of the deserts and ravines, a land of drought and utter darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives? I brought you to a fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce, but you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. The priest did not ask, where is the Lord? Those who deal with the law did not know me. The leaders rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal, following worthless idols. Therefore, I bring charges against you again, declares the Lord. And I will bring charges against your children's children. Cross over to the coasts of Cyprus and look. Send to Cedar or to to Qatar and observe closely. See if there's ever been anything like this. Has a nation ever changed its gods? That they are not gods at all. But my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. Be appalled at this, you heathens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns, that cannot hold water. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we ask in this moment that you, you speak to us, you speak to our heart. Lord, break our heart for what breaks yours. 
And Lord, give us grace. Give us peace. But let us know what we need to hear this morning. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said at the very beginning, uh, this series is designed to help you revive, regain, and improve your devotion to the Lord. Now, I'm not just talking about reading your devotionals and reading your Bible and, and all those things, spending your time here on Sunday. I'm talking about being truly devoted to the Lord in such a way that everything that you do is for His glory, for His kingdom. Because I think all of us need to improve on our devotion to the Lord. All of us are human. We all make mistakes. And so there's room for improvement for all of our devotedness to the Lord. And so throughout the series, we'll be asking questions. Are you devoted in the time that you spend with God that it shows up in your life? Are you devoted enough in your finances that it reflects it in your checkbook? Are you devoted to God in your concern for the lost and sharing the gospel with people? Are you devoted in your prayer time and your communication with God? Are you devoted to your time of worship? I want, to ask your, I want you to ask yourself throughout these next several weeks, can I improve my devotion to the Lord? And if so, how? Can I improve in every area of my life so that everything is given up to him and not just some? But first, you need to know why you need to be devoted rather than just me give you all of the what's and how's of being devoted. So before we go in depth, I want to clarify a few things first. When I say devoted, I do not mean committed. Devotion and commitment are two different things. And so I want to clarify when I'm using these terms what I mean. Commitment is an option. It's, based, it's a choice based on other things around you. For example, I can uncommit from something. It might look, be looked down upon, and that's against how I was raised to uncommit from something. But I can uncommit from something because it's a choice. It's based on a choice. Your commitment is simply based on choice. So that means it's optional. And so if I'm asked to commit to two separate things, and it comes around the same time, then I, I have three options before me. I can commit to this thing, to the other thing, or commit to staying home and not going to either one of them. Right? So for a, a broader example, when Chloe and I plan things, I always run it by her because she has the schedule and I don't. So I will ask her, hey, we were asked to go and eat dinner with this couple. And then like a few hours later, this has happened before, we had another couple ask us, hey, same day, same time, you want to go out to eat with us? And so we have a decision to make. We can commit to one, we can commit to the other, or we can commit to, to going out on a date night for just us and not involving anyone else. And so our commitment in that moment is based on our, our options and our choice. Now, once we commit to one, the way that I was raised and the way that she was raised too, once you make a commitment, you stick to it. But that doesn't always work. There are, there are times where we break our commitments because we're devoted to something else. And so we might be committed to going and eating with someone but if someone in our family goes to the hospital, we are more devoted to our family than committed to our friends. And so because of our devotion to our family, we will go to the family. And that's generally accepted. 
what this tells us is that our commitment is something. It means something. But it's not the same thing as devotion. Devotion goes much deeper and further. And when you actually look at the original language, I'm not going to give you the Hebrew word for it because I can't even pronounce it myself. But the Hebrew word that is translated in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 2, for devotion. I remember the devotion. That word is the same word that's used and translated as love, as faithfulness, as loyalty, and as kindness. And so commitment, though it's based on a decision, devotion is based on love. It's based on loyalty. It's based on kindness and your faithfulness to what you're devoted to. So what you love, you will be devoted to. And the more you love something, the more devoted you will be to that thing. So if you love your spouse more than anything, which you should, you'll be more devoted to your spouse and your spouse's needs than the needs of others. If you love your family, I, I know here we're, we're all very family-oriented. I'm, I'm family-oriented. I know that you guys are too. And so when it comes to your family, you love your family, and you will tend to prioritize things because of your love and your devotion to your family rather than your friends. Most of you, if not all of you, love this church and the people in it. And so you prioritize things in the church over other things in your life. Because you're here most Sundays. If not all Sundays, you, you're here every Wednesday or most Wednesdays because you're devoted to the church. You love the church. You love the people in the church. And though it's necessary... Church is very much necessary, and there's so many arguments that I can make in Scripture. I'm not going to spend the time. We'll do that later. But there's so much importance to being in a church family because we're created for a community. And for us to, to come together as like-minded believers with the same mission in mind, it's healthy for us as Christians to come together and worship together here in the same place. Now, I know we've got the online campus, and I appreciate you for joining us, but we, there, there's a different feeling in here. Why? Because we're not watching a screen. There's community here where there's not as much community out there in the digital world. And so we, uh, church is very important, and devotion to the church is very important, and it's part of the will of God because of our community. But you can be devoted to the church, but not devoted to the Lord. Through this series, I want you to see that although church is a real need for your devotion, you need to be devoted to the Lord first. And so I, I know, like, growing up, I had this, this thing where, you know, you make the priority list. And, and I would hear my dad and other pastors, they, they'd make this priority list. God comes first, and then it's your family, and then it's the church. And I love how black and white that is, but how gray it really is in life. Now, we would love to say God is first in everything, but sometimes he takes second or third place. And there's other times where, where family will come before the church, but a lot of times it's this gray area of maybe I just need to go to the church instead. And so what I, what I really want you 
What, what, and what I think God's going to do is reveal in your heart throughout this series what you're committed to and what you're devoted to. And if you're just committed to the Lord, my hope is that you become devoted to the Lord. Because if we're honest, most of what we call devotion is commitment. I can say that I'm devoted to something, and I can use that word and that language, but I really just mean I'm committed, that it's an option for me. And a lot of Christians out in our world today are committed, but they're not devoted. They're committed to the teachings of, of the Bible. They're committed to going to church. They're committed to living a Christian life. But all in all, it's an option. That if they don't want to live the way that, that the Bible intends, they can twist Scripture so that they can still look committed to the church, but not committed, but not devoted. And these people, I think, are the people that in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is talking about. When he says, there will be people at the end of time that will cry out, Lord, Lord, did I not do this? Did I not do these things for you? And Christ will solemnly and sternly say to them, I never knew you. Why? Because they were committed, but not devoted. And the nation of Israel in Jeremiah's time, they're on the brink of collapse. And Throughout history, what we find is that Jeremiah prophesies this event where all of Israel will be destroyed. And that event was finalized when Babylon and overtook all of Judah, all of Israel. But he knew that they were committed to the Lord, but they were not devoted to him in their heart anymore. What Jeremiah 2 does, and what I'm hoping to do throughout this sermon, is to give you a glimpse into the heart of God. What happens to the heart of God when we're not devoted to him? Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 2. This is what the Lord says. I remember the devotion of your youth, how as a bride you loved me and followed me through the wilderness, through a land not sown. God is saying, I remember when you were devoted to me. I remember when you loved me just like a bride on a wedding day. Chloe and I, we went to a friend's wedding yesterday and um, I, she was a good friend of mine. The, the bride was a good friend of mine throughout high school. And you could just see the love that was in her eyes for her husband who was standing before her. And, and I think about that, and it kind of helped me with this too. And I remember the moment seeing my bride walking down the aisle. And you, if you've been married or you are married, you, you remember those moments. God is saying, I remember... I remember when you loved me. I remember when you were devoted to me. I remember that look in your eyes when you just realized that you, that you really loved me and you were serving me. You were following me through the wilderness. He's telling the people of Israel, I remember when you loved me coming out of Egypt, when I delivered you from the slavery. I remember when you loved me walking through the wilderness. And, and yes, you had some complaints, but you still loved me and you trusted me. I remember when you're coming out of the promise or coming into the promised land and though you face so many battles and so many things, you trusted that I would take care of you and that I would give you what I promised. I remember that love. But in verse 5, he says, but fault did your ancestors find in me? What, 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 what did I do? to make your ancestors and to make you stray so far away from me. 
They followed these worthless idols. Because of that, they became worthless themselves. What happened? I think we can get to a place where we see God in all of his majesty, in all of his power, in all of his glory, and in all of his amazement. We've heard about him, we've sung about him for years, praising his name for how good he is, how powerful he is, how amazing he is, and how he fills us with awe and amazement. And we forget that God has a heart. When you think of someone so powerful, you think, oh, well, I can't break his heart. But we forget that God's heart is broken based on the actions that we commit, by the sins that we commit. And so where, where God is seeing this nation that has strayed so far away, God says, where's your devotion? What did, what did, I, what did I do? Why have you left me? Where, why are you doing this? And doesn't that like describe us in our life sometimes? We, we love God. And I know all of you, right, that I can see in the room right now, all of you love the Lord. You want to serve Him. And you, and you continue to serve Him. You're devoted to Him. You, you're, you're thinking, man, I, I just I love Him and I want to do everything that He asks of me. But, but aren't there times in your life where it just feels like you're being pulled away? Being pulled away from, from who God is and what He's done for you? And you start, you start feeling that pull. Now, a few weeks ago when we were going through our Revelation series, I said it was a fight for holiness. Well, it's a fight to stay devoted. Because we're constantly getting pulled in the opposite direction as we're fighting to stay holy, as we're fighting to stay devoted to the Lord. And have you ever gotten into a place where you wondered to yourself, why am I even doing this? Why am I not doing what, the, what God's been telling me to do all this time? Why do I never seem to have time for God anymore? You try and you try and you try and you continue to fail to stay devoted in your daily life. Here's an example. Maybe you've sat down before because you've had this moment. You're like, I don't know why I haven't been reading my Bible as faithfully as I used to. And you sit down and you're like, every single morning or every single lunch break or whatever it is, whatever time, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read the Bible straight through. I'm, I'm going to read whatever I open it up to. You know, you do the, the old General Baptist thing. Open the Bible. That's what the Lord wants you to read. It was always the genealogies, but you still opened it up anyways, and you read. And you, you make that decision every single morning, every single night, every single time. I'm going to open up my Bible. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read a chapter. I'm going to read a couple verses. I'm going to pray about it, and I'm going to go about my day. And on Wednesday night, this past Wednesday night, we talked a little bit about that, how when you got to the genealogies, you just kind of like skimmed over it really fast because it was, or you just skipped it entirely and said that you read it. But if you ever tried to do a Bible in a year reading plan where you read some out of the Old Testament, some out of the New Testament, was there not a moment where it became more difficult to open up your Bible? Was there not a moment where you became a little bit more busy was there not a moment where you might have missed a day or two? You'd go back and you'd, you'd read through it, you'd, you'd catch back up, and then you'd miss a couple more days. And then you'd miss a week. You'd say, I, I'm not even going to read what I missed. I'm just going to start fresh where the plan is. 
See, we get busy and we get enticed by the things of the world. And what happens when we do that is God is left there saying, what did I do that you strayed so far away from me? What, what have I done? What, where are you at? And in verse 13, he says, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they've dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that can't even hold water. See, they committed two sins. One was that they forsaken the Lord. They chose their sin. But I think what broke the heart of God the most is not just that they chose the sin, but they chose the sin over him. They knew what life was like with him. They knew what life was like devoted completely and entirely to the Lord. They came and they conquered and they were always taken care of no matter what happened to them. God was always there with them and they lived life abundantly. And because of that, they all know that. They've heard about it. They've seen it. They've witnessed it. Yet they still chose sin over him. And I'm hoping that you can sense the heartbreak of God when he says, what fault did your ancestors find in me? What did I do wrong? What, what did I do that made you want to leave me? Like, made you want to leave me and go somewhere else and pursue these worthless, worldly things that aren't going to last? So you left me to go and do what you desired and what you thought. And he started digging a hole thinking that you could dig it deep enough and wide enough to fill yourself up with life. It's a broken cistern. It doesn't even hold water. And water in the Bible represents life. Just as blood in the Bible represents life. That's why Jesus refers to himself as the living water when he's talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. I'm the living water where you'll never thirst again. You're You'll never go dry again. And this broken cistern that doesn't hold water illustrates a life without God. It's a life where you're pouring things in that the world has to offer, trying to fill yourself up with life. You, you continue to, to pour in sin, to pour in rebellion, to pour in your addictions and your pain and your, and your struggles, and you keep giving in to what the world says. You keep pouring it in, but since it's a broken cistern that doesn't hold water, water will always leak through, and you will never have the feeling of life if you stop. One of the probably better examples that I can think of is when I've talked to people who struggle with alcoholism. That they constantly have to have alcohol in their system to feel like they're living. Without it, they feel like they can't live or they can't live free. And so in conversations that I've had with these people, it's like that's exhausting to continue to have to pour into your addiction and into your, your, your desire to fill up your life so that you have the feeling of life. It's all about the feeling of life. What? And God is like, I've offered you a cistern that isn't broken. I've offered you the living water and I will fill up your life and your life will overflow with blessings. 
because that's how gracious and generous I am to you. That your cistern that I've given you, your, your vessel, your body will not be able to contain the life that I'm about to give you. And yet we've looked at that life and we ourselves have broken holes in it and said, no, I, I don't want your water anymore. I don't want your life anymore. I know you've promised me life abundantly and that's great, but I don't want it anymore because I desire what I desire. And we start to lose our devotion to Him simply because are we committed or are we devoted? Simply because we have that pool that we call temptation that comes in and it pulls us away from God ever so slowly. Temptation never comes fast. Because if temptation came fast, it'd sound like this. Hey, I want you to go murder someone. No, I'm not going to do that. Hey, I want you to become an alcoholic. I want you to be addicted to drugs. No, I'm not going to do that. That's not me. No, temptation comes slowly where it's just like, just one drink. No, maybe you injure someone just a little bit. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. They'll heal. And it comes so slowly and it pulls us away so slowly that sometimes we don't even notice. The only way that we notice is if we're devoted to God. Because the closer we get to God, the more we we realize how broken we really are and how gracious he truly is. I heard this illustration. Um, it, was, it was about prayer, but I think it re- applies to our life too. That's a lot like breathing. When you breathe in the word of God, when you breathe in God's presence, it's like taking a deep breath. But if you hold your breath, you'll die. You have to continue to breathe. What happens when you, when you exhale? You inhale and you bring in oxygen. When you exhale, it's carbon dioxide, which alone will kill you. It will destroy you. If you just continue to consume in and breathe in carbon dioxide, what you're breathing out. And so a lot of people, they either fill themselves up and they hold their breath all week. And then they come to church and they try to breathe in more and they can't. And so they claim that they aren't being fed by church anymore. They're not being fed by the Spirit anymore, but they're holding their breath. When you get closer to God, you start expelling all of the things that are trying to destroy you because you're breathing in His presence and it's a natural reaction that you exhale everything that's evil about you. That's where uh, in, in Psalms where it says, find every, every evil way in me. When David is pouring out his heart to God, he says, find every evil way so that I can get rid of it. This is what being devoted to God is. And so to answer the question as I, as I close, why does your devotion to God matter? Well, because God is the only one that can give you the life that you've always wanted. All of us, we desire a type of life where we can live and we can feel like we're living constantly. That only comes through God. It won't come through any, anything that the world has to offer. Because you, you fill yourself up with the things that the world offers, it's going to leak right out. And you're going to have to continue to pour in and pour in and pour in, and it's exhausting, and it's an exhausting process. But what God has offered is, he says, I'll give you a cistern that doesn't, 
It holds water. It won't leak out. And I'll fill you up with, with life abundantly that I've promised you. And you'll overflow with blessings. And, and when you overflow with blessings, that blessing that's overflowing will overflow into other cisterns. And whenever they start to realize what God is doing in your life, they will start saying, they'll look at their own life and they'll be like, this, this is nothing to compare to what, what they have. And so God says, I'll offer them a cistern too that holds water, that holds the life abundantly. All of us deep down in our soul wants a life that is fulfilling. But so many of us look in the wrong places. We build our own cistern of wealth, of traditions, of dreams and goals, of our desires, our fleshly desires. And throughout all of those things, some of those things are good, some of them aren't. But all in all, God is better. God is for you. He's pursuing you and he still loves you. But most importantly, when you're devoted to the Lord, it makes his heart happy. When you're not devoted to the Lord, it breaks his heart. It breaks his heart to see you sin. It breaks his heart to see you run away. So don't trade your devotion for the Lord for something else that the world has to offer. Stay devoted to him. Love him like you did when you were first saved. Come back to where you started with him if that's what's needed in your life right now. Make time for him and devote your life to the Lord today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time and for this opportunity to worship you, to learn more about you. Lord, I ask that you just speak this message throughout this week. Lord, let our hearts not be troubled, but let our hearts break for what is breaking yours in our life as individuals. May we come to you today with humble hearts, with a humble spirit, and say, Lord, I don't want to break your heart. So show me what in my life is breaking your heart so that I can be more devoted to you. Lord, show me what in this world is breaking your heart right now in this moment so that you can send me to go and do something about it. Lord, I ask that you just send each and every one of us out into the world today to shine your light, to be more devoted to you, and to see what breaks your heart so that we can go and be the change, to go and be the messengers that you are good, that your son came and he lived and he died and he rose again so that we could have cisterns that actually hold water and that you could fill us up with life abundantly. Let us go and share that message with people. That this life that people are living where they feel empty, where they feel destroyed, where they feel like they just can't keep up with the changing culture and everything else in the world, and they don't feel like they have time to commit or devote their lives to anything, Lord, help those people through our witness as Christians see that you've offered a life abundantly that will always feel like life. Even in the darkest moments, may we be devoted to you. 
For it's in Jesus' name we pray.